0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, beloved, turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Now notice, in the Great Commission, in verse 16 and 17, He that believeth is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. You see that there in verse 17? In my name shall they cast out devils. In other words, just as He commissioned them, gave them power over all devils. Likewise, He commissioned all believers. And told them they likewise have power over all devils. The power in Jesus' name to cast out devils and stop their maneuvers in the earth. Now, what I want to talk to us about tonight is demons, devils, satanic forces and powers and how believers have authority over them. I'd like to begin by sharing with you a testimony and well but before I do that let me let me do this first of all let me state that being a born-again Christian means that a demon or a devil, cannot inhabit now listen carefully the spirit of a child of God a demon or a devil cannot inhabit the spirit of a child of God now I want to make myself clear because sometimes it becomes a matter of semantics and people don't understand and they misinterpret or misrepresent what you're saying I said if you're a child of God a demon spirit cannot inhabit your recreated human spirit. But, a demon can enter into the body or the mind of a child of God. I'll say that again. A demon spirit can enter, can enter into the body or the mind of a child of God. That demon cannot inhabit his spirit, but can enter into the body or the mind of a child of God. We call that demon oppression or demon obsession. And that's a, there's a difference between demon obsession and oppression and possession. Possession is when a demon spirit enters to the spirit of a man who is unregenerate indwells his very being, his spirit. Whereas demon oppression means it can be from without oppressing a person. Demon obsession, it can be in the mind of a child of God. And of course, you all know about the spirit of infirmity. where there can be the literal presence of a demon spirit in a child of God's body. But remember, that's not His Spirit. That's His body. And there's a difference. And I state those things just to get the record straight so we understand each other and we don't misunderstand and misinterpret what's being said. So with that in mind, let's recognize the fact that no matter what, The child of God has power over every devil, every demon influence, and satanic force. And the child of God need not be fearful of any devil, any demon, or any evil spirit. Because as children of the Most High God, just as those 70 had power over all devils, likewise we have been given, in the name of Jesus, power over all devils to cast them out. When I first got saved, I remember vividly a spirit of fear manifesting itself in my own life. I was just a newborn babe in Christ, and I didn't know a whole lot about the Word of God, but I did know a little bit. And as I was working one night in the afternoon shift, 3 at 11, I was up in my mill crane studying the Word of God and like I normally did when all of a sudden I was consciously aware of the presence of a demon spirit. Demon spirits can manifest themselves in such a way that you can be conscious of their presence but not see them. Do you know what I mean by that? It's as if he got some paint and just threw it in their direction. And if it were possible that it would hit them and then form make a form, you can see the form. It's as if it was right there. Now, I knew it. I knew as sure as you're sitting out there and I'm standing here, that there was manifested up there in that mill crane, right up above me, the presence of a demon spirit. Which I recognize as being a spirit of fear. I'll tell you what. I don't normally get afraid. But as I sat there in that milk crane. I couldn't help but to tremble. Newborn babe in Christ didn't know a whole lot. And I said to myself, what in the world is this? What's going on? And there was such fear. About me that I didn't know what to do. And as the night went on, as as I said, it just stayed there. I was consciously aware of it. You ever been in a room somewhere or walking somewhere and there's nobody near you and all of a sudden you're aware of a presence. And you just kind of instinctively know someone's behind you. And you turn around and sure enough someone is there. That's what I'm talking about. I couldn't see it, but I knew it was there. And so that dreaded time came that I was to leave the mill crane because my buddy was there to relieve me. And where I had to park my crane at the end of the bay, there were no lights. All the lights were out. Of course, they're all broken out. And so I had to leave my crane cab about 30 feet up, and I had to go up to the top. That's That's the way mine was. I had to go up across and then walk across the beam to get to the steps to walk down. When I parked it at the end of the bay and I began to walk up those steps, I mean to tell you, I knew that thing was up there. And I'm thinking to myself, now what am I going to do? So I walk up there, you know, cautiously, looking around, not seeing anything, but knowing that presence was there. Proceeded to walk downstairs and took my shower. And of course... I lived in one direction, so what I did was instead of coming in the front way where the lights are and the gate is and all that, and the walkway and everybody goes, 11 o'clock at night I had to go out by myself in the back way where there were no lights. They were all broken, of course. And I had about a three-quarter of a mile walk, you know, out there with the boxcars and all that sort of thing, like one of those eerie nights, night walks you see sometimes on television and all that. And you say, well, nobody does something foolish like that. I mean, they're going off by themselves that way. Well, you know, that's where I parked my car. It was closer and more convenient as far as I was concerned. And so that night was a different night. I began walking out the back, just consciously aware of the fact that that demon spirit was right there. So I proceeded to go home. And it kind of let up a little bit. And finally got into the bedroom. You know, time to go to bed, 3:11, ate a little bit and then went to bed. My wife by my side. And the moment I laid down, I was on my back, head on my pillow, looking up. The moment I did, sure as the world, I know for a fact that demon spirit was standing right there at the foot of my bed. I mean, just standing right there as if it was just looking right down on the top of on me, you know, the both of us. I didn't say anything to my wife, so she didn't know what was going on at the time. But as I just began, you know, as I was lying down I, and aware of that, I didn't know what to do at that moment. Like I said, a newborn babe, understand I wasn't where I'm at now. I didn't know what to do at that particular time. This thing just came on me. And when I say came on me, I mean came on me. And I was frozen. And by that I mean I couldn't move. I was lying there on my back. My wife was about that far away from me. And I could not lift my arm or move my elbow just to tap her on the side. More or less just to say, well, honey, something's going on here. I was frozen. Just frozen in that position on that bed. And it felt like almost like a smothering type thing. Just lying there frozen and being smothered. Well, I did what I knew to do. Thank God for the Spirit of God on the inside. I just began speaking out of my spirit the Word of God. Greater is He that's in me than he that is in the world. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. In my spirit, and the more I kept saying it out of my spirit, seemed like the more real it became to me. Until finally, I began to whisper. Greater is He that in the world. And the more I kept speaking, the beloved, the Word of God is a powerful force against demon powers. I want you to know that. Jesus said, "It is written." And I just kept on saying that until I began to whisper it. And then as I began to whisper it and speak it out, you know, and verbalize it, then that power began to lift from my being and had departed. Couldn't stay in the presence of, of course, the, the Word and the power of the living God. Well, of course, just being a, lo- uh, you know, a young Christian, you know, I just really didn't know all that much about dealing with demons and demon powers and what I should, should do. I really believe that demon spirits attempt their best to see to it that, that people that are just born into the family of God don't get far into things of God and would do anything and everything within their power to prevent your growth and development. <clears throat> see, they don't want you to leave their kingdom and, and go into God's kingdom and work for Him. And they do anything and everything they possibly can To prevent your spiritual growth and development if you make that switch of kingdoms. Well, that was one time. After that, I began to get into the Word of God. And I discovered that in the name of Jesus, I had power and authority over all devils and demon spirits. And the second time I had that kind of an experience, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma... Getting ready to attend Rama Bible Training Center. And we had purchased a box spring and mattress because our furniture had been delayed. I mean, delayed. Delayed. And my wife was pregnant. You know, we had no place to sleep. I didn't want her sleeping on the floor. And so we went out and purchased a box spring and mattress. Lisa was just a little one. I took the floor and each one had the box spring and mattress. You know, and we're lying there on this apartment, on the floor waiting for our furniture to come. Forty-five days is a long wait when you're waiting for your furniture to come. Did you know that without any furniture? I'm talking about no appliances except the sweeper. She packed the sweeper in the trunk. Don't ask me how she fitted in there with everything else she put in the trunk, but there was one thing that was going with her was a sweeper. And thank God it did, because that place was filthy when we got there. But I'm once again lying down on the floor, when all of a sudden, same thing happened. Only this time, it wasn't freezing like a, it didn't freeze me. It entered into my nostrils. Right in here. And it was like choking once again. And I can a burning sensation that just entered into my, my nose and my mouth. It's like when you, you know, if you have a bad cold or something like that or strep throat or something, you just get this feeling down in the back there. But see, I was aware of it this time. Caught me in a twilight. Did it again. Look at. Verse seventeen. In my name, say that. Say it again. Whose name? Excuse me. Whose name? Say it again. In my name in my name whose name whose name they were what they were what they were what they were what? what and that's what i did I said, in the name of Jesus. And that thing came out of my nostrils and my mouth and took off like the wind. And when I say took off, it took off like the wind. And I just rose up. And I was consciously aware of the fact that there was a devil doing its best. To destroy my life and also ministry. That whatever God had for me to do, He tried His best to thwart the plan of God. I knew that. I knew that from the depth of my being. But you know what, beloved? Thank you. I would not give up. I would not give up that fight. I stood my ground and I knew that no matter what the devil had attempted for evil, that because God equipped me with his power and with his might, I had authority to control my destiny. And I used that name recognizing that no matter what it is the devil could bring my way, he had no right to enforce anything in my life. And many years have come and gone, and the devil has attempted and tried in various different ways. But, beloved, that name of Jesus always Amen. came through. That name of Jesus always enabled me to rise up victorious. Has tried many times to, to get me to stop preaching the Word of God. But I'll tell you what, I'm not giving up. I refuse to give up. I refuse to give in. I refuse to let go. As far as I'm, I'm concerned, God's Word is superior to anything the devil has to offer. Do you believe that? You agree with me that I'm healed? You believe that tonight? Then give God glory with me. Praise God. Praise God. glory. I will never give in to any devil. God's word is true no matter what. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Well, that was the second time. Just tried to do the same thing, destroy my life and ministry before it got off the ground. Now notice, the devil will try if he can to enter in And take control over a person's life by getting into his thinking faculties or also into his body. Now, the body's different. I remember one time where my son had a high fever. He was lying in bed when all of a sudden I walked into that room and I stood there about four feet away from him. And I looked at him and God spoke to my heart. And I stood there at a distance. I didn't lay hands on him. I didn't get no more than four feet away from him, and I stood there, and I knew that there was manifest a spirit of infirmity. And so I looked at him, and I rebuked the devil in the name of Jesus, when all of a sudden, off of his body off the top of his head, I saw a black figure look like a bird just came right off the top of his forehead and just began to fly out of the room. Took off right out of the room. And I can see it now. See, it's hard to explain these things because how do you explain a spiritual something that you see? Like a black cloud. And all it did was just like a bird flew off in one direction, just took off just like that and just left the room. The moment that devil left the room, which I believe to be a spirit of infirmity, what had happened was, I mean, Jason was absolutely burning up with fever. And you know how they breathe real hard? And they become very listless. There he was, lying there on that bed, breathing real hard, very listless. All of a sudden, his breathing immediately went back to normal. Perfect. And just by walking over there and looking at him, I touched him. His head was perfectly cool. His breathing was perfectly normal. And I could tell that at that split second, at that very moment, he was totally delivered and set free. You see, beloved, a devil will either try to get into a person's mind or to get into a person's body to try to either dominate that person's thinking and obsess that person with a certain type of thinking Or to put a condition in the physical body that, if allowed, he'll keep there until it either stays with that person for the rest of his life or actually takes his life. There was a young girl who was a child of God who had lung cancer. And this cancer of the lung started on one side of her, her lung. And then because she didn't do anything about it, she didn't want to have surgery or anything like that, what it did was it spread over to the other side of her, her other side, and she had both lungs filled up with cancer. And one day she was, well, she went to a, a week of meetings where Brother Hagan happened to be ministering. And while he was ministering there, he laid hands on her once, twice, three times, and nothing ha- happened. But then this one particular time, he was caught up in the Spirit. And in the spirit, the Lord enabled him to see that in her body she had demons, a demon spirit that was hanging from the one lung where the cancer started. Now, that was a spirit of infirmity that brought cancer to that particular person's life, that girl's life, that was living there inside her body, claiming it to be his own dwelling place. And he was enforcing this cancer in that girl's body. Of course, because nothing was done about it, it wasn't removed. If the lung is removed and there is a spirit behind that cancer, beloved, it's not going to get rid of the cancer. Because, you see, that demon spirit that enforces it is going to remain there. And eventually it will show up somewhere else inside the body because that demon spirit is there. It has to be dealt with. And so while he was in the spirit, he saw this demon just hanging from her physical body. And the moment he did, he looked at it, and spoke to it and said, you're going to have to leave in Jesus' name. And you know, just like a whip, just like a whipped dog, that thing just, just fell. Said he didn't want to, but just fell from her lung onto the ground, just whimpering. Like a whipped dog, just whimpering. And then he said, you're going to have to leave the premises. And it left. It took off. And when it did... She went back to the doctors. The doctors checked her lungs thoroughly once again. And she had no more cancer inside her body. Now, beloved, because we are too quick to view things like sickness and disease in the natural and too quick to use natural remedies over physical things, I believe many times we fail to recognize that there can be demon spirits behind the sickness or the disease that is trying to... To gain entrance into the child of God's body. Oh, I believe this. I believe that if a, if a child of God is open to it, a demon spirit can enter in and can dominate that child of God's life, his body. And just absolutely take control of the physical body. And in most cases, and I don't know if you can prove it one way or another, you know, but we understand that in the Word of God there was a spirit of infirmity. Look at Luke chapter 18. In most cases, when you discover that there is a a terminal case, you can rest assured that there is a demon spirit behind it. When there is a terminal something, in cases of alcoholism and that sort of thing, for the most part, there are demon spirits that are enforcing that condition in that person's life. In Luke's Gospel, and I said 18, chapter 11, I believe it is. Nope, it's chapter 13. I'll find it here somewhere. 13, 10, 11, 10 and 11. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues, Luke 13, 10, 11. On the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. I'll tell you what, that spirit of infirmity she carried around in her body for 18 years. She was bowed over with rheumatoid arthritis. She could have gone to the finest uh, institution of medicine. She could have got the finest doctors on her case. You know, she could have had the, the best quality help that you can find in all the world, beloved. And she would never have been delivered from rheumatoid arthritis. No, this woman had a spirit that was in force and disease in her body, and as long as that spirit was present inside her body, that sickness would remain. You see why in many cases people are not healed from diseases? Because some, in some cases we're not just dealing with sickness. In some cases we are actually dealing with demon spirits. And unless those demon spirits are dealt with properly... They're not going to leave that place of habitation. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16, I give you power to cast out what? That's the devil right here. Look at it. And spirit of infirmity, 18 years, was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now go on down to verse 16. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound? Who bound her? Who had her bound up with rheumatoid arthritis? For how long? Now you think about that. Until someone gets the revelation or discerns the fact, that person, if Jesus didn't get it, she'd have stayed bowed over for the rest of her life. She'd have never recovered from that condition. Even though she was the daughter of Abraham, even though she had the right to be free, unless that demon spirit was dealt with, she was never going to be made free. Because that devil would have lived in her body for how long? Until she died. Now, you ready for this one? If she died, when she died, don't you be near. I said, if you don't know what God's Word says when she dies, don't, don't be near her. Because the first body that devil sees will go right to get in it. That devil will go right to get in that body. See, we have to understand that there are demon spirits out there enforcing things in people's lives. That condition is one. And there are others. And unless in these cases, unless these demon spirits are dealt with, that body is not going to respond to health. Because it's not a matter of healing. It's a matter of casting the devil out. And when Jesus said, Thou art loose of thine infirmity, of course the devil had to leave, and when the devil left, she was no longer bowed over. She could stand up and she was perfectly whole. But let's make note of this also. Not every case is a demon. Someone might say, well, if that's the case, let's cast the devil out of everybody. Well, that's not the case. It's if there is a demon. If there is a demon spirit present in that person's life, Or let's put it this way, in that person's body. Then that demon spirit has got to be cast out. It'll try to get in. You know, you don't think for a moment, you're not naive enough to think that the devil will not try to get into your body or mind, are you? These demon spirits are disembodied spirits and what they're looking for is places to dwell in. As a matter of fact, Jesus says when the devil is cast out of a man, who will go in dry places seeking and rest and finding none, he'll go back to the same house. And if it's empty, swept, and garnished, he'll go back in. But if it's full, what will he do? You think he's going back in dry places? He'll find someone else's body. That's exactly what he's going to do. He'll attempt to get into somebody else's body. Because that's what they try to do. That's what they want to do. And it depends on you know, what kind of a spirit it is. You ever read there in the Bible where it says that they had a deaf and dumb spirit? Well, if that's the kind of spirit that it is, if it enters into that person's body and that person doesn't know how to keep it out, it'll manifest itself by making that person deaf and dumb. That's exactly what it'll do. See? So, beloved, we believe and know that there are demon spirits that are out there that are targeting Christians' lives. And they're trying to enter into Christians' bodies or into Christians' minds. As a matter of fact, turn with me to to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want you to notice something about our warfare. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down his strongholds, casting down what? I want you to notice that's high reasonings. The way the devil will get into a child of God's mind is by putting thoughts there and, and hoping that those thoughts will not be cast down. And that those reasonings will not be cast down. Because if they're not, and the child of God acts upon those thoughts and reasonings, it'll do what? It'll open up a door it'll open up a door. See, the, the, the battle is not with the devil, per se, because the devil's already been defeated. The thing is, the devil understands our, our place because of the fall. He knows the weakness of our flesh and understands the carnality of our minds. See, the carnal mind is enmity against God. And therefore, what the devil will attempt to do is... Inject thoughts and reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God to try to dominate the child of God's mind so as to have an open door to enter in to that person's thinking faculties. Now, you recall this one particular woman that Brother Hagin talked about who was a preacher's wife for 20 years, who served God faithfully, but was told by the devil who sat upon her shoulder whispered into her ear that in the world she could have fame, fortune, and popularity. Well, she rebuked that thought in the beginning, but then she began to entertain it. And she entertained it until she began to act on the idea. And as she acted, she left her husband and got herself involved in you know, these, these affairs and, and immorality, sexual immorality, and everything else. And when she did that that spirit that was oppressing her from the outside went into her mind as a black dot and obsessed her with the idea. Now that that demon spirit was on the outside gained entrance on the inside into her mind, it began to control her, her thinking, and it began to dominate her lifestyle. She became so obsessed that she couldn't be satisfied living with five men. Now, think about that. That was a demon of lust, the lust demon, that got into her mind and obsessed her. See, the door was open because she didn't follow that text, that scripture right there. She didn't cast down the thought, the imagination that was exalting itself against the knowledge of God and stand firm and resist it. It opened up the door to a devil. The demon spirit got inside her mind and began to control her. And then finally, as I said, she couldn't be satisfied living with five men. Well, here's the 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 worst part about it, is that then, once the devil got into her mind and obsessed her, in that state, she proceeded to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. See, ultimately, the devil wants an open door to get into our thinking, and finally, then to overtake our spirits once again. And she opened up her spirit. See, first she opened up her mind. Then she opened up her spirit to this demon. And you know what happened? He entered in. He overtook her spirit once again. And Brother Hagin said to the Lord Jesus, what happened to her now? He said, he heard her screams in the lake of fire. He heard her screams in the lake of fire. Beloved, can you imagine that? So you see, the devil's out there. And we don't deny that. The devil wants entrance into a human body, whether you're a Christian or not. We don't deny that. If you give him place, the devil will enter in. We've got to resist that. Don't give the devil any place in our body. Don't give the devil any place in our mind, so that ultimately he'll not destroy our spirit eternally. Now, that woman committed what is called the sin unto death, and she couldn't turn her her life around again. Now, had she repented, Jesus would have forgiven her. But she didn't. She opened up her entire spirit to this demon spirit and it finally overtook her. And as I said, he heard her screams in the lake of fire. Beloved, the devil's out there and we're not going to make light of that. He's after every child of God and we know that. He's got people in the world so he's not concerned about them. He's after you. He's after me. And He's attempting to destroy our lives because He doesn't like God. And certainly, He doesn't like any offspring of God. And we are the children of the Most High God. So, we need to be aware of the fact that Jesus, knowing this, equipped us with power in His name over all the power of the enemy. Now, turn with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 19. And I want you to see something something here. Acts 19 and verse 13. That is true, not only regarding Jesus or Paul, but also our lives. Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches, that there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, chief, of the priest which did so, and the evil spirit answering and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I want you to notice in this text the importance of what the demon said. That evil spirit said, uh, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? How many of you know that the devil knows you? I'm telling you, he knows you by name. We know Paul. We know Jesus. But who are you? Oh, beloved, does the devil know you? If he doesn't know who you are, you tell him your name. You say, my name's John. My name's Jack. My name's Mary. And I know that I have power and authority over you and you've got to recognize that power because the name of Jesus belongs to me. And you have no right to dominate my life. You have no right to enter into my mind. You have no right to take over my body and I give you no place in my life. You think that devil's going to jump all over you like that, like he did these? No. That devil will have to recognize and acknowledge Jesus I know and Paul I know and I know you also. See, that devil has got to bow its knee. It has no right to enforce anything in the child of God's life unless the child of God does not understand his rights and privileges and doesn't know his authority that will enable him to cast that devil out. Well, beloved, we as children of God are to preach the good news to people. We are to let people know, just like the 70, that devils are subject to us in the name of Jesus. Devils are subject to us in the name of Jesus. Devils and demons and evil spirits are subject to us in the name of Jesus. And what that means is, no matter what the devil tries to do to oppress you, oppression is nothing more than the presence of demon spirits coming with a dark cloud over your life, trying to enclose you in this dark cloud to engulf you with all the problems of life as a heavy weight over top of your life for the purpose of holding you in captivity. And if that's all He can do in your life, that's what He'll do. You may not give give Him entrance to enter into your, your physical body or your mind that way, but He'll control you from without. That's called satanic oppression. And I thank God for prayer, beloved, but you'll notice that Jesus said, preach deliverance to the captives. If you're bound up by satanic oppression, here's the good news that I have to preach to you tonight. You don't have to be any longer. All you've got to know is that the name of Jesus is yours. It belongs to you, and the devil recognizes the power of that name. And if that spirit is, is encompassing you, engulfing you, and bringing oppression your way... All you've got to say is, in the name of Jesus, thou oppressing spirit, I take authority over you and man that you desist in your maneuvers over my life. You have no access. If it's coming against your mind in such a way that these thoughts are bombarding you, you have a right as the child of God to speak to that demon spirit that's behind all that and cast those thoughts down. And the devil has got to recognize the power and authority of the name of Jesus, and it has to leave. And as you begin then to worship and praise and and glorify the name of the Lord God Almighty, then you're making yourself a, a highway for God to move, inhabit your praises, and keep those forces back. Now, if there's a situation in your body where you say, I've been believing God or trying to believe God or whatever... You know, be alert and be aware and recognize and know. You know what? There is a demon spirit behind that. Or there is a demon spirit behind this, a spirit of infirmity. You say, well, my goodness, that couldn't happen in my life. Well, look, I'm sure this woman felt the same way. Now, oh, come on, Lord. What are you talking about? I'm a child of Abraham. You're telling me I've got a devil? Well, not in your spirit. He's saying, but look, you're bowed over with the spirit of infirmity. Satan has bound you up for these 18 years. But I'm telling you that you're loosed. And you see, beloved, that's all that, you know, that we've got to do. And if we could recognize that and really see that and let people know that who have been afflicted by a spirit of infirmity that is in that person's body enforcing a sickness or a disease. And in most cases, like I said, they'll be either incurable, terminal. You know, not necessarily uh, terminal. It can be incurable. Maybe it's something that will be there that they may have to live with for the rest of their lives. It may not kill them, but it will be there in their life. It doesn't have to be there. But it's not a matter of healing. It's a matter of what? Casting out the spirit of infirmity. And once again, when it comes to these other things like addiction to alcohol or, or drugs or something like that, it's not just a matter of getting well in the natural It's a matter, I believe, of pouring into that child of God the truth of God's Word so that child will rise up to a place where he or she says, Thou foul spirit. Because there's a spirit enforcing that. You spirit behind alcoholism. You spirit behind drug addiction. I no longer give you access to my life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and command that you desist in your maneuvers over my life. You no longer can... You no longer will dominate my life. I will not be given over to alcohol any longer. And beloved, if a child of God will rise up to that place, recognizing that for himself or for herself, that will put an end to that demon activity and that demon's control over that person's life. I believe that. And God wants us to know it tonight. And God wants us to tell others all about it. I believe that too. Preach the good news. Preach deliverance to the captives. So you see, make sure that we understand. Like I told you, when it came to Jason, I mean, what am I going to stand back and say, Oh dear God, he's my son. He could not have a devil try to get his body. I don't know where we get off sometimes being so proud. Beloved, the devil doesn't matter what your name is. He doesn't matter what your profession is or what your business is or where what your background is or where you've come from. He'll try. It doesn't matter who you are. I remember Brother Hagin saying that he, the devil got into his son, Ken Jr. He doesn't care who it is. I read there in the Bible, the devil tried to get into Jesus. Did you ever read that? Does he care? Is he a respecter of persons? He doesn't care who you are, what your background is. He just wants to occupy. And so Jesus used the Word of God. And if Jesus was successful, so can we be successful. And so we're to preach deliverance to the captives. And so I'm here saying to us tonight in preaching that we are free by the name of Jesus. Amen. And we can tell others that are being bound by spirits of infirmity or a spirit behind alcoholism or the spirit that's behind oppression. We can tell people that, look, you have power and authority in the name of Jesus over those demon spirits as they would endeavor to manifest themselves in your life. And all you need to do is to cast that devil out or take authority over it in Jesus' name and it cannot stay. It has to go. It has to go. Do you believe that tonight? Then tell somebody about it. Not only use it in your life and enforce it in your life, but use, you tell somebody else about it because that's what preaching the gospel is all about. And let's remember that when it comes to the fight against sickness and disease... That not in all cases, it's not only a natural or a physical thing. That in some cases, there are demon spirits behind it that have got to be dealt with before the healing can possibly come to that person's life. I also believe that when it comes to situations like in, in marriages, that there are demon spirits hovering over people's lives assigned by the devil to bring destruction and division to that marital relationship. And in some cases, we try to do everything in the natural to overcome it, but what needs to be done is there has to be someone to rise up in the spiritual realm and take authority over that demon spirit that is is attempting to destroy that relationship and demand that it desist in its maneuvers. I'm going to go another step. There are also demon spirits assigned against church bodies. Did you know that? I said, there are demon spirits assigned against church bodies. And what is their objective? If they can't destroy the work totally, then they'll be there to make it as difficult as they possibly can for the people to experience the fullness of God's blessings. I remember one preacher went to a church, and it was so hard for him to preach. Uh, It was so difficult, could hardly preach from the pulpit. You know, just as difficult. Like everything hit him back in the face. And so one day the pastor, recognizing the same difficulty, set himself to fast and pray. Got on his knees before the Lord, started fasting and praying uh, concerning this matter, when all of a sudden, after so many days of his fast, he got caught up and, and looked up in the spiritual realm. And as he lifted up his eyes, he saw up in the rafters above, A big, looked like a baboon. Sitting up there in the rafters. Demons go to church. Just sitting right there above the church. And as he looked up, the devil looked down at him. And the preacher says, you've got to come down from there. He says, I know if you say I have to, I have to, but I don't want to. He came on down, landed on the ground. Just looked at him. He wanted to leave, but the devil wasn't going to leave. He said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to have to leave these premises. He said, if you say so, I have to, but I don't want to. He says, I say so, and you have to in Jesus' name. And don't you come back. The devil ran off out the door, through the doors, and he said, I looked outside. I watched him. He went into the bar down the street. I watched him go into the bar down the street. You think devils are only in bars? No, devils go to church. Demons will go to church. And I'm telling you, when God's people are unconscious of it and when they're not aware of it, there will be a manifestation of division. There'll be a manifestation of confusion. There'll be a manifestation of disinterest. There'll be a manifestation of lethargy. I'm telling you, people will lose the vision within that body and they won't even know why. They'll sense oppression. They'll wonder why it's so difficult to praise and worship God. They'll wonder why, you know, it seems as though we just just have any interest in going to church and all that. And this is wrong and that is wrong and all these different things are wrong. And then before you know it, instead of doing what is supposed to be done in the spiritual realm, they'll start fighting, but not with the devil, but with each other. Then they'll be fighting, they'll be bickering, they'll be complaining, they'll be, you know complacency there'll be all kinds of things happening and little do they know that there are devils and demon spirits assigned against church bodies to see to it that they can just do what they possibly can to prevent that body from being effective for Jesus but you see beloved when those people recognize that and exercise authority over it that devil like he did there has got to come down from its place it cannot lord it over that that group of people now you can't cast them into the abyss or anything like that they, you just tell them get off my premises I just got something in, in my spirit there from the Lord. And so it's just like an inward knowing. And he said, just to tell them, just like this, he said, tell the people the same thing happens in their homes. The same thing happens in their homes. That if they're not aware, and if they're not conscious of it, a demon spirit will endeavor to hover over the household of the, of the children of God. And to bring confusion, and to bring division, and to bring chaos. You see, until the lives of the people are affected and there's complaining and there's bickering and there's conflict and there's fighting among themselves and they don't even know why. Yes. And the direction of the Lord has come and He said to my heart to say to the people, say to my people, stand your ground against the attack of the enemy. Rise up, not in the natural force of your own strength or might, but rise up equipped with the name of Jesus in the realm of the Spirit where you are a dominating force and use that name against all the demon host and all the powers of darkness and as you use that name so shall it be that the devil will flee and so shall it be that the atmosphere will change and so shall it be that the conflict will end And so shall it be that there will be peace abiding upon that household. So rise up, saith the Lord, in the name that's above every name. And use that which I have given you to use. And for you, there shall come victory. And for you, there shall be peace. And for you, there shall be joy. So rise up. And be victorious, saith the Lord. See, it just rose up on the inside there. I can just see it just like as if you were reading it. That's what he's saying. You can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it in the natural. Let's not ignore this aspect of the gospel. Because for too too often, that's what happens. And we try to fight sickness, you know, just in the natural. And we try to fight conflict just in the natural. In all these different things, just in the natural. Or we try to overcome alcohol or overcome addiction or, or, or habits in the natural. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, God bless.